Hello again, my friends. Something's different. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's almost as though... Hmm. How can I describe it? It's like there is a very, very fine string attached to me, thin as spider's silk, almost undetectable. It's attached just to the inside of my ribcage, right in the center, right at my sternum. And it goes through me and behind me, and I just feel it tugging every now and then, tugging me in a direction I'm not aware of, pulling me, urging me to go. It's urging me to leave again. But no, I'm home. I'm in this strange and awful basement. I'm in this place that I've called mine for so long and have decided to call mine again. I don't think I should go out. Not while this terrible feeling persists. If it wants me to leave, then leaving is the last thing I should do. The question is, who is holding the other side of the string? Who has made me this puppet? I don't know if it can be her. She's never done this before. Has she? Or have I just been so blind and oblivious before that I never stopped to wonder? No. There's something different. I'm more powerful now and I can sense it. I know it, but it can't be what I think it is. It can't be who I think it is. Can it? For some reason that I can't possibly fathom, I feel like you would know better than I. Too bad you can't respond when I ask these questions. Or you can, but I might not be able to hear it. Perhaps I need to listen more carefully. Or perhaps there are other signs. That reminds me of a story. <laughs> of course it does. That's how this works. There was once an empty little house. In it there were a few lonely items still. A couch or city with a dusty sheet draped over them. A few collectible plates or bowls with cracks in them. A bed upstairs with a bare mattress full of holes. But, of all these things, the most unusual thing to be left behind was a single typewriter. An antique to our eyes, but state-of-the-art at the time being. For some reason it hadn't been claimed after the house had been emptied of all human life. Why was it empty? What had happened here that no one wanted it, and no one came in to take this one last item? It still had one sheet of paper loaded into it, ready to be written on. One night, in the silence of that house, 
the deafening stillness and emptiness of it, in the middle of the night, though no one was there to hear it or see it. The keys of the typewriter clicked and clacked, seemingly of their own accord. Slowly, very slowly, they produced phrases onto the sheet of paper. If anyone was there to read it, they would see that it said, Are you there? Who are you? Are you alone? Why doesn't the sun rise? Why is it so cold? Are you reading this? Are you cold? What is your name? My name is... I forgot. Isn't that funny? Sorry, how strange. I can't see anything out the window. What do you see? I'm afraid to open the door. Can you open it for me? Are you there? Will you open the door for me? Are you there? And then it stopped. It repeated the sequence of questions and statements on another night, and again on another. But the paper fell onto the floor. No one was there to load it again. So whether or not the keys still click-clacked in the night, I'm sure they did. Nothing came of it. Only sound for no one to hear. One day, however, a visitor came to the house. A young gentleman who had bought it. He planned on fixing it, redecorating it, and selling it again for a profit. I cannot speak as to whether this visitor had a good heart or a keen mind, or if he was cruel or if he was kind. I don't really know what he was like before he found the house and consequently the typewriter. It doesn't really matter to the story, anyway. We are not who we were, or who we will become. We are who we are now, in this moment. I am a resplendent monster hiding in a cellar. That is all that is true about me. What is true about you right now? But I digress. What was true of this visitor in this moment was that he was alone in the house and planned to stay the night. If need, urgency, or greed had been a factor in him purchasing the house before this moment, it wasn't now, for he had the whole place to himself for as long as he wanted it, until he planned to sell it, unless he decided not to. In the stillness of nighttime when everyone else outside of your home is quiet, time stops, doesn't it? The world is your oyster, isn't it? He uncovered the furniture. He made up the bed with a fresh mattress and clean sheets. He set out some gas lights and lit himself a fire in the fireplace. The sun set pleasantly in the window where the typewriter sat at a desk and the young gentleman stood by to watch it as it went down over the horizon. The room was orange for perhaps ten minutes or so. 
then gray, then lit only by lamplight, making the world suddenly as sepia-brown as photographs of the time were. Once the spectacle of the sun had passed, the young man turned his gaze to the empty typewriter. What a fine thing it was, he thought to himself. Would he sell it with the house? Would he keep it for himself? That was when he noticed the sheet of paper on the floor. He picked it up, sat down at the desk the typewriter rested on, and read it by the lamp he had left there. He read the first five lines. Are you there? Who are you? Are you alone? Why doesn't the sun rise? Why is it so cold? He went on to read the rest, of course. He read it over and over and over. But he didn't understand. What was this? Was it a note to someone else? No, it couldn't be, because it was full of questions. Was it meant to be something else? A fiction? A poem, perhaps? If it was, it wasn't a very good poem. The more he read it, the more confused and, though he wouldn't admit it, frightened he became. And the sky outside was black now with the clouded nighttime, and that empty, timeless, limitless world came into being. And within that world, everything was completely silent within the house. Until the young man heard the distinct startling, almost obscenely loud sound of a letter being typed on the keyboard of the typewriter. His heart practically stopped at the sound, and it started back up, ten times as fast at the sound of the second key being pressed quickly. He sat there, and he watched the keys going up and down, in quick groups, sometimes pausing, sometimes writing again at a frenzied pace. He was frozen in fear, stuck in place, until eventually it occurred to him that whatever, whoever was writing, didn't have any paper. Neither did he. But he instinctively opened the top drawer of the desk and found a pile of blank sheets of paper pristine and untouched. He took one and, with shaking hands, loaded it into the device. As if it hadn't even been interrupted, it spelled out, Afraid to open the door, can you open it for me? Are you there? Will you open the door for me? Are you there? And then it stopped again, and the gentleman sat there looking at the words, Slowly they came again. Just three words. Are you there? He sat there breathing slowly and deeply through his nose, tears sitting in his wide eyes. And very quietly, he whispered, I'm here. The next words came, one letter at a time. Who are you? He swallowed and answered again. I own this house. 
Are you alone? The next typed sentence asked. He nodded, shaking. Yes, it's just me. The typewriter asked him the first of the more unusual questions. Why doesn't the sun rise? The young man shook his head. I don't know. It's night now. It will rise again. Why is it so cold? The typewriter asked. And the young gentleman shook his head again. I don't know. It wasn't cold before. He looked over to the fire, which was still going strong. Are you reading this? It asked him next. He said out loud, Yes, I'm still here. At that, the fire extinguished itself almost all at once. Are you cold? The device wrote out. He nodded, his breath appearing in mist in front of him. I am now. What is your name? It asked him, and he told it his name. I will not tell you his name, but he told whoever else sat at the typewriter his name. And it continued to write, saying, My name is... I forgot. Isn't that funny? The man sniffed a bit, his nose red with cold now, and tears falling down his face in fright. He shook his head. No, he said. No, that's not funny. The typewriter stopped for perhaps half a minute. Then it kept going again. Sorry. How strange. The man waited for some time, unsure of what to do or say next. He turned to the window, hoping to see a street lamp. Perhaps some stars, the moon, a neighbor walking by. Anything to remind him that there was a world outside, a reality that made sense. I can't see anything out the window, the typewriter wrote almost as soon as the gentleman had turned. What do you see? it asked. He shook his head, staring still at just unending blackness. Nothing that reassured him with its ordinariness. Just emptiness. Nothing, he said, his voice trembling. I'm afraid to open the door, it said next. And he recognized this phrase. Of course he recognized all the phrases, though they seemed different somehow now that he had been answering them. Can you open it for me? it asked. He didn't answer. For about a minute, he didn't answer. Are you there? it asked him. And suddenly there was a loud, awful banging on the front door of the little house, a rattling in the windows, and everything around him shook. Yes, I'm here, he called out. Please stop this. What do you want? And, almost with excruciating slowness, the typewriter wrote out, 
Will you open the door for me? Slowly he stood up from the chair at the desk, and he willed his feet, which seemed frozen with fear and with the suddenly overwhelming cold of the house, to walk towards the front door. Barely breathing, he opened it. No one was there. In fact, nothing was there. No steps, no pathway, no street, no lamps, no stars, no moon. Not only was the sky black, but everything was black. So dark, so empty that he feared to take a step out lest he fall forever in that blackness. He shut the door. He heard eleven slow, even clicks on the typewriter, and he knew already what it was asking. Are you there? Yes, I'm here, he answered, even as he still faced the door that held what his mind now was referring to as the impossibility behind it. Who are you? He heard the voice behind him, at the typewriter. There was a young man sitting there, about his age. He wore suspenders and his shirt sleeves were rolled up. His fingers were stained with ink, his eyes were wide, and he looked as if he hadn't ever slept one hour of his life. So this was the one writing the messages. Who are you? He asked again, insistent, his voice frail and light, like a fluttering moth trapped in a net. And the young gentleman, instead of answering, asked him a question in return. Are you alone? The man at the typewriter nodded, his expression full of melancholy and confusion. Why doesn't the sun rise? He asked. Why is it so cold? The gentleman looked at this lost soul in front of him, this sad character who seemed to be programmed with a set of words imprinted in his memory, like some kind of writing automaton. But his voice and his expression were anything but robotic. He was caught in some kind of terrible loop. The man at the typewriter was distracted by the piece of paper in the gentleman's hand. Are you reading this? He asked, a little excited, a hint of a smile finally tracing over his lips. He frowned when he saw how the young gentleman trembled. Are you cold? He asked. The gentleman smiled a little and didn't answer. He found the ghostly writer's concern to be charming, and he was heartbroken for how lonely he must be. What is your name? he asked him. The writer looked excited for a moment, as if he hadn't been asked the question in so long. He started to answer. My name is... But then that distant look returned to him. 
He stared out the window, and the blackness he found there seemed to fill him with that same dread that had been there before. I forgot. In a desperate, terrible way, he started to laugh a little bit. His whole body shook with this mirthless laughter. The whole house shook with it. Isn't that funny? He laughed even louder, tears now falling down his face in this awful kind of terror that wasn't masked by his strange laugh. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, how strange. And he kept laughing, and the house kept shaking. The few plates that remained on shelves fell and crashed. The young gentleman quickly went to this weeping, laughing phantom who was apparently mad with confusion and loneliness. He didn't know him. He knew nothing about him. But his heart ached for his pain and the wild sadness in his eyes. He ran to him and went to put his hands on the other man's shoulders to steady him. But they went right through him. But the gesture small and ineffective as it was, was enough to cause the raving ghost to stop. He looked the new owner of the house in the eye. He opened his mouth, about to say something, but apparently forgetting his next cue. He seemed, for the first time, to actually be seeing the young gentleman who now owned his house. Seeing him, and understanding the difference between the two of them. This young man was alive, but he, on the other hand, he was somewhere else, something else. The realization broke him, and his head drooped down with a sigh. The young gentleman wanted to comfort this young writer, but he didn't know how. He leaned his head forward, to at least give him the gesture of pressing his forehead against the lost writer's forehead, though he felt nothing. Do you want to open the door? he asked. The ghost shook his head a little and smiled. I'm afraid, he said. I can open it for you. I'm afraid. Come with me, the owner of the house said, and took the writer's hand despite the fact that neither of them could feel it. He led him to the door, and he opened the door. And the two young men, one a refined gentleman, another a distressed writer, one alive and one distinctly not, stared out into the impossibility that was the complete emptiness in front of them. What's out there? The writer asked, for the first time saying something that wasn't in his strange, self-imposed script. The gentleman shook his head. I don't know. But I don't think you need to be afraid. The writer took a breath and stepped into the void. He stood there for a moment, his feet seemingly floating on the nothingness beneath him, still staring ahead of him. I'm afraid, 
he said again. Are you there? The young gentleman said, Yes, I'm here. Don't be afraid. But the poor writer turned back. He walked back into the house. The one who was alive shut the door. Perhaps another time, he said gently. And they both turned to the window, where they saw the sun rising over the rest of the world. The wonder and amazement in the writer's face was something more wondrous than anything else that had happened to the house's new owner over the course of this strange night. And the one who was no longer alive slowly disappeared. The gentleman didn't sell the house after all. He learned about his new housemate, who he was, what he wrote, how he lived his life. He didn't appear very often. More often, they spoke to each other through the typewriter. And perhaps one day he would be ready to walk through the door. If he never was, that was all right, too. I told you before. Perhaps you have been able to answer my questions, and I simply haven't been able to hear you. So, before I say goodnight, my friends, I'll ask you again. Are you there? Hi everyone, this is Kristen Zaza, and this is my podcast. I write, record, perform, edit, sound design, promote, etc. Everything for On a Dark Cold Night. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to episode 67. I hope you liked this one. This week, a big thank you goes out to my newest patron of the show, Maria Zachary. Maria pledged $1 a month to supporting what I do on Patreon, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. So thank you so much, Maria. If you also want to support the show there, you can check us out at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where every patron receives access to my soundtrack of the show, which I update every week. If you don't want that perk and only want to donate once, check us out at coffee.com slash darkcoldnight. That's ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight, where you can buy me a coffee. Another great way to help out the show is to leave us a review on iTunes, or you can also do so on Stitcher or Facebook. That's a huge help to independent podcasters. You can also listen to the show on the free Radio Public app, where I'm a part of their paid listens program, and every listen goes towards paying your podcaster for their work. Finally, you can also buy a t-shirt or a hoodie. We have some pretty sweet wearable merch available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. You can also get in touch and spread the word about the show and also keep up to date with my comings and goings by following me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, 
and we have a Facebook page and YouTube channel by the same name as the podcast. Would love to see you there. Thank you again for tuning in for another week. Rest well and be well. And because she didn't really say it earlier, good night, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶